the public perception sometimes is that insurance companies are just made of money and nobody gets hurt by this. But the fact is a lot of people get hurt by it and it can have a devastating effect. Introducing the Protectors, inside criminal minds from around the world. Presented by the IAFCI, leaders in safeguarding consumers from fraud and scams for more than 50 years. And now your hosts, International President Mark Solomon and Chairman of the Board Michael Carroll. Hello everybody, this is Mike Carroll, International Chairman of the International Association of Financial Crimes Investigators. I am with Mark Solomon, our international president. Mark, how you doing today? Mike, just another beautiful day here in Connecticut, nice and warm and sunny, and I'm uh, looking forward to another great podcast. Hey, uh, Mike, before we start, i got to do a quick shout-out for our Tampa International Conference. So if you're in law enforcement or in the private sector doing fraud, financial, or cybercrime investigations, they have a great lineup in uh, late August, the 28th, is it, Mike? Starts on the 28th, Monday, yes. That's right, right. So any law enforcement or private sector investigators, come on down to Tampa. You can always check us out on the website, www.iafci.org. Mark, another great conference. I see it ahead. I've been to so many in the past. I've been a member of the IFCI for over 28 years, and every year we have an annual conference. We bring in the best speakers. We have great networking events. So, yes, it's going to be a great conference this year. It's going to be just as great as our next guest that's coming up on the podcast here. So, uh, no pressure. So, uh, Mike, if you're okay, I'll introduce him. Go right ahead, Mark. All right. So our next guest is a major case manager for Nationwide Insurance's Special Investigation Unit and has more than 30 years of experience in investigating large-scale insurance fraud. He's responsible for leading the prevention, identification, and investigation of complex cases in multiple states. He's a former law enforcement officer like us and detective. He was with the Parkersburg, West Virginia Police Department. He's also a graduate of the FBI National Academy and also Fairmont State University. For the past 25 years, he served as an adjunct criminal justice instructor at WVU Parkersburg. And the best part here, we save for last, he's a certified fraud examiner, certified insurance anti-fraud professional, a certified insurance fraud investigator, and the most important, we're really excited about, he just recently obtained his certified financial crimes investigators through the IFCI. Now, Mike, for a dramatic entry for our next guest, I've been practicing this, so let's give it a try. Ready? All right, Mike, I want to welcome to the show the one and only Steve Bodge. Good evening, gentlemen. It's really a pleasure and an honor to be here to speak with you guys this evening. Steve, great to have you on the podcast. You know, I think we're on episode right around 45, and we've never really talked about this topic, insurance fraud. So we are so glad to have you on. We know you are a great uh, IFCI member, and uh, we have so much talent in our organization. We wanted to reach out to you and talk about a new topic here, insurance fraud. I got to start by asking you, you know, how big is insurance fraud, and kind of why does it really matter? I mean, is there a lot of it out there? It, it's a huge problem, and, uh, and it's growing all the time. Uh, recently, the Coalition Against Insurance Fraud did a, a study, a very in-depth study, to try to determine just what the, the loss was uh, from insurance fraud, and the figure they came up with was $308 billion annually. And wow. that's, a, that's the first time they've studied that since 
about 20 years, and, and it had risen from $80 billion, which is a, a tremendous amount, to 308 So, you know, it is a big problem, but that amount of money seems like monopoly money to people. But what it comes down to as well is that's about $1,000 per person in the United States that's insured. So it, a big amount of loss for insurance companies, but a lot of money that comes directly out of the pockets of consumers. Well, Steve, when you talk about $308 billion, what, what type of uh, insurance does that affect as far as uh, insurance fraud? That, that's, we're talking about property casualty, uh, auto, homeowners, uh, workman's compensation, the type of insurance that we all buy daily to, to protect us from losses. Yeah, Steve, and i got to be honest with you, you beat me to the punch here. We did some research uh, over the last couple of weeks, knowing you were coming on, and I saw that same statistic, and when I read it, I couldn't believe it. I was like, $308 billion, that is insane amount of fraud in the insurance world. So, Steve, I want to ask you, you know, insurance fraud is usually also connected to many different other crimes, and I don't know if you'd be willing to kind of tell our audience uh, some of these connections between insurance fraud and other crimes that are going on. Yeah, glad to do that. And it is connected. And that's why it really makes it difficult to put an exact dollar value on it, because the the same people that are committing organized uh, crime type insurance fraud are also committing other types of fraud and and involved in other types of, of criminal activity as well. And you know, with social media, the internet, and all of the advances in technology, you're seeing more and more bleed over between criminals because they don't care where the money comes from, whether it's from an insurance company, an individual, a bank, a real estate agency, or some other type of business. So all they're looking for is the best opportunity to steal the most money. And that's why partnerships with organizations like the IFCI are so valuable because the crime's just not in a silo anymore. Steve, regarding insurance fraud, does identity theft come into play where they would assume somebody's identity and submit a false claim? Is that a big part of insurance fraud? Absolutely, and, it, and it's growing all the time. And insurance companies fall victim to the, the same type of things, like the, the institutions you all work for, that for account takeovers, um, business email compromise, and other types of people that buying policies using false identities or trying to make withdrawals out of other people's uh, accounts or, or businesses using either synthetic or false uh, identities. And uh, I don't think there's anybody that's not impacted by that. Yeah. Steve, you know, you brought up a different point, you know, about the different types of insurance. I know there's auto, homeowner, health care, life and disability, aging industry, and workers' comp are kind of the, the major forms of insurance fraud. Uh, can we focus a little bit on auto insurance fraud, and what are some of the things and trends that you're seeing out there when it comes to that type of fraud? Yeah, that's a great place to start, because the National Insurance Crime Bureau that uh, keeps records and, and of trends and, and analyzes uh, those type of things has auto related fraud right at the top of the list of the, the hottest trends. And, and that's everything from staged automobile accidents in which uh, fraudulent injuries are, are claimed, uh, people piling in after an accident and claiming to have been injured, clear down to uh, treatment issues with fraudulent medical providers or unscrupulous medical providers that are billing for things they didn't do or running up charges. So fraud related to autos, everything from the damage to the car itself to the damage or the alleged uh, injuries of the individuals involved 
is a potential pile of cash for someone who's committing insurance fraud. Hmm. You know, I've heard uh, organized rings out there involved in um, auto insurance fraud where they might stop real quick in front of you and you ram into the back of them and they claim injury and things like that. Is that something you also work, uh, Steve, fake claims? Yes. That, that's one of the older types of, of fraud, and it's still very prevalent. It's called a, a swoop and squat, where you'll have more than one automobile involved, and, and they actually set up an accident and cause someone uh, to, to run into them. And they'll target individuals in uh, high-end cars, uh, people that are, they can see they're on their cell phone, elderly drivers, anyone that they think might not have their attention on the road and might have a, a pretty good size insurance policy, they can be targeted and, and set up for stage crashes and, and similar losses. And that's been around as long as I've been in the industry and longer, and, and I think it'll continue because it works. And Steve, it's funny that Mike uh, mentions one of the old-time insurance frauds because Mike is much older than me and I'm, I'm much younger than him, so I'm not shocked that he kind of picked up some of the old-time scams. So uh, I don't what? think so. <laughs> All right. Hey, Steve, what about what are are you seeing any different types of things or with technology, the Internet, everything else? Are you seeing any type of new trends when it comes to auto insurance fraud? Yeah, one of the, the new things that's coming across is what's called third party funding companies, where these are individuals that that actually are companies that actually invest money in bodily injury or automobile crashes. And they'll uh, be working in conjunction sometimes with uh, unscrupulous attorneys or medical providers, and they actually provide the funding behind these individuals who will then direct the treatment uh, of individuals who have uh, been involved in, in accidents, either legitimate or staged, for the purpose of driving up the bills and uh, profiting off of, of that. And that, that's one of the biggest trends, and, and we're starting to see legislation in uh, different states across the country to try to bring some control to that, or at least some identification to the, the companies that are really just investing in, in mis, either misfortune at best or fraudulent activity at worst. All right, Steve, I will show my age. How about, I remember the old slip and fall, right? Is that still that, going on today? Is that a big problem? It, it certainly is. And different areas of the country, uh, you'll, you'll see individuals uh, that will just do that for their own profit or benefit clear up to very large-scale, sophisticated, organized rings. If you Google slip-and-fall fraud, and, and for instance, in New York there, or uh, some of the, of the larger cities, you'll find articles about slip-and-fall rings that have been uh, brought down by, by law enforcement authorities, but it's found to be a very profitable type of, of loss because sometimes the report of the claim is not made till much after uh, it allegedly happened. There's sometimes a lack of evidence and it's very difficult for insurance companies in some instances to be able to combat that. And but there is a, a mm. really defined, organized aspect to that in a lot of areas, and it is a problem. Steve, when you're dealing with, uh, you know, auto accidents or workers' comp type situations, you know, as an investigator, what do you focus in on? And, you know, I'm assuming that these rings that are operating, they probably have a doctor, you know, that is involved. I mean, do you start seeing patterns of multiple incidents and people going to the same doctor? Does that give you some of the leads to realize this might be insurance fraud? Yeah, and... 
when an investigator goes into any investigation, what they're trying to do is to verify the facts as they were presented. So we get more satisfaction out of proving that, yeah, this really did happen and we owe this you know, so, that, so that it can be paid. So that's our approach going in. But we absolutely look for red flags, circumstances that are similar to prior losses, as well as uh, the loss history or patterns, as, as you mentioned. And it's the same as, as really any type of financial crime investigation where you're investigating organized crime activity or potential organized crime activity. You're looking for patterns that will provide leads to potential evidence. Steve, before we go on, I just want to go back and ask you about the swoop and squat. I've never heard that before. I find that very interesting. Is there something we can let our listeners know on how to prevent being the victim of the swoop and squat? Do you have any information you can give out to them? Absolutely. And the important thing, this is true in really any time that you're driving an automobile, but particularly when you're on the highway and you think that, or when something like this happens, the first thing is to be alert. And we'd mentioned the, the cell phone before, but really be alert of, of your surroundings and, and the situation. The way these accidents work, that particular one, is they'll be in conjunction with at least two other automobiles. One will pull in front, and another vehicle will pull right beside the target to keep them from being able to swerve. And then the car in front will slam on their brakes, causing the car to, to hit them in, in on a lot of occasions. And just being alert, making sure that if someone does pull right in front of you, that you slow down and try to create that distance in between. And if you are involved in, in an accident, this type or, or any other, don't move your car unless, unless the traffic is such or the law requires that you move off the highway. But if you can, stay where you are, but make sure that when you get out that you get good information from the individuals, that you take photographs with your cell phone, and also count how many people are in the car that you hit. Because one key aspect of these losses is that after the the fact, they'll add passengers that weren't even involved many times. So take good pictures, count the passengers, and make sure you call the police. Uh, Fraudsters who create or stage automobile accidents will often try to convince the victim, the injured party, not to call the police. And that way, there isn't anybody there to verify what happened. And then after the loss is reported to the insurance company, the stories will drastically change. So if if you're involved in an accident, you need to hold your ground and make sure that the police come and take a report uh, that accurately depicts the facts of, of what took place. Oh, that's a lot of great information, Steve. Hey, can I ask you, though, what, what does swoop and squat actually mean? What, where did that come you, you from? You know, you're going back the even beyond my time, because that's been the name of that for, for as long as I can remember. But in, in my mind and with experience, it's talking about the, uh, the front car swooping in, and then, and then by squatting, what it means is just slamming on their brakes and stopping and, and causing that accident. And, and again, it's, it's most often in conjunction with another vehicle that is keeping the, uh, the target from having anywhere to go but forward into the back of that car. Hey, Steve, I wanted to ask you, with this huge increase of insurance fraud, what do you think is driving this? Uh, you know, I work in a financial institution. You know, I, I hear I talk to financial investigators, law enforcement all the time, and we're just seeing this massive increase of fraud. I mean, why do you think uh, you're seeing so much on the insurance fraud side? I think it's the totality of the circumstances. I, I think that uh, the downturn in the economy always uh, increases various types of, of fraud, as you all know. 
the uh, the amount of, of money, the costs of vehicle repairs and, and medical bills and things like that make committing this type of crime attractive to individuals, particularly organized groups. And I, I think with uh, the increase in technology, as technology grows, as things get easier for us as individuals, uh, they also get easier for criminals. It's, it's easier to fabricate or forge medical uh, records or bills or repair estimates. Uh, it, it's easier to obtain fraudulent policies over the Internet or over the phone using false information. So as the good things advance, we have to be aware of, of the downside of, of those, those type of tools. And I think that uh, it's just all of those factors coming together drive people toward where the where the money is hey steve i got a couple friends that are uh business owners i was just wondering if there's some kind of indicator that an employee may be involved in an insurance fraud scheme like workman's comp uh yes and that type of fraud increases just like uh, just like everything else but uh first thing is the employers need to trust their instincts and if they have suspicions, if, if there's been a loss or an injury that doesn't look right to them, they need to report that to, to the claims professional who is, is handling the claim after there's been an injury. But some of the key indicators, uh, injuries that happen to brand-new employees or things that happen on a Monday morning and were unwitnessed by anybody else that might be an indication that the person actually got hurt over the weekend and, and maybe didn't have insurance uh, to take care of that. And also, uh, just uh, accidents that are unwitnessed, uh, things that take place in an area where that employee wouldn't normally be, or, or uh, it's a type of injury where the employee is doing something that wasn't part of his job or wouldn't normally have been doing. It's also important to, to keep your eyes out for some type of, or for any type of impairment that, uh, you know, if an individual comes to work and appears to be under the influence of uh, alcohol or drugs, that could be uh, that could be very important, and it, it's important that the business owners safeguard themselves by being as careful as they possibly can, being as observant as they possibly can. And it's just like we're retail establishments that are trying to cut down on shoplifting, where when someone walks in the door, if the clerk speaks to you as soon as you walk in, yeah, that, that's a message that they're alert to what's going on, and, and that can sometimes make a big difference. And, and it's the same thing with the, with the business owners. To be alert of what, what's going on in your business, pay attention to uh, what's being said and what's being done, and, and trust your instincts. And Steve, what, what are some of the things that you're seeing when it comes to insurance fraud and the link with cyber fraud? You know, technology is great. It's neutral, whether, you know, and it's really whose hands it, it really is in. But how are you seeing a cyber fraud and insurance fraud connecting? You mentioned uh, before, made a great point about uh, identity theft and identity fraud, uh, which is a uh, big factor in, in all any anybody that's that's involved in any type of, of activity that touches a computer, which is almost everybody. Uh, it, identity fraud is is huge. Account takeovers or, or obtaining policies in in someone else's name, compromising emails, business emails, and and redirecting payments. Uh, Insurance companies run as a business, and we have a commerce and, and sell a product, and we're as vulnerable as, as anyone else in that situation to someone taking advantage of technology to, uh, you know, insurance fraud is making a misrepresentation to get a benefit that you're not entitled to. And that's not a lot different than any other type of fraud. So we see the same things that uh, any other type of business is going to see in that regard. 
So, Steve, also, too, I want to back up. You know, we're finally, hopefully, getting out of this pandemic of COVID-19. And what were some of the challenges and trends that you were seeing? It probably was a great opportunity for fraudsters in the insurance world to commit fraud. That's a great question. And one of the things about successful insurance criminals uh, is they're adaptable. And they, they very quickly recognize changes in the landscape and, and adapt to that, and sometimes quicker than, than the business world does. And one of the big areas that we saw was in telehealth, where you, know, you go for a doctor's office, and, and most of us are used to, you have a doctor's appointment, you go in and see the doctor. Well, there were limited instances where those visits could be done either over the computer or by phone, but that was very tightly regulated, and, and it was isolated circumstances. Well, when the pandemic hit and so many people were isolated and, and so many businesses, including healthcare facilities, didn't want foot traffic for a good reason, the rules right. and the state regulations were relaxed uh, to a great extent, allowing a, an increase in, uh, in telehealth visits for things that normally would have been a, a walk-in. And there's difference in fee schedules and regulations and the type of treatment that can be delivered by telehealth. So if you had a, a provider that was going to commit insurance fraud, for instance, they could bill for a live patient visit and procedures that they didn't do when they actually just did a, a phone call or a, a computer valuation of the, of the patient. And by changing the codes, they were able to charge more money and make more profit for something outside of what the, uh, the law and the regulations allow them to do. And that, that was a really big trend that, that launched pretty quickly, uh, as well as with so many people moving to working from home. That changed the workers' comp landscape a little bit, too, as far as what, you know, what was covered, what was, you know, for instance, they get hurt in, the, in their home. You know, were they at their desk working or were they out mowing their yard when something happened? So the pandemic definitely changed the landscape. For a while, when restaurants were closed, you had less slip and falls. And when they reopened, you know, that you start getting back to, uh, to normal. And uh, the world's not going to go back 100% the way it was before. So you'll see insurance fraud criminals continue to adapt, and, and we need to do the same. Yeah, and, you know, Steve, it, it is amazing. You know, Mike and I and, uh, you know, all of us here, you talk about when something is introduced into the world, whether it's a disaster, a hurricane or anything, uh, you know, and, and COVID obviously was probably the biggest pandemic we've obviously seen in our lifetime. And it's just amazing. It becomes an opportunity for criminals to develop different crimes and, and techniques. Uh, so thanks for sharing that with us. Absolutely. So, Steve, I wanted to ask, you know, a lot of people think, you know, none of our listeners obviously are fraudsters or good citizens. And uh, but is it difficult for a fraudster to go through this process? I mean, it seems like there's a lot of paperwork, there's filings. Why is this so attractive to so many criminals? Well, one of the reasons that people, individuals, if they choose to do that, can do it over and over again is they learn how. And They'll use methods like changing their identity slightly or, or keeping the claims at a certain dollar value. If, if they learn that a, a particular company will pay uh, a certain type of claim without much scrutiny up to a certain dollar value, then that's what they'll do over and over again because they'll learn and they'll do what works and they'll adapt their identity or their, or their circumstances. And I've seen with the 
it's some of the, the career folks, and, and I've encountered ones that have done this over and over again for 10, 15, 20 years, and if they are contested, if they are asked for more documentation than they're comfortable providing, they'll go away because they're just going to try the same thing with another insurance company. And I, I think the rationale is that you know if they try five times and they get paid twice, then they've got paid twice for a loss they didn't have in the first place. So that experience that they build and, and learning what the tolerance is of the organizations that they're, uh, that they're attempting to steal from. Yeah. And, and, you know, too, like there's criminals out there committing armed robberies, violent crimes. They probably also know that, you know what, this may not be a high priority in everyone's community, insurance fraud, and maybe the violent crime is the big issue. So it might be easier to be undetected or go unprosecuted. And, and that that's a, a great point. Because it is considered a, a white-collar crime, and it's considered a victimless crime by many people, although it's not, But the chances of getting caught as far as prosecuted aren't that high, unfortunately. And the penalties, if you do get caught, aren't necessarily a deterrent in a lot of instances from someone doing it over again. Um, If someone's willing to roll the dice on that, uh, the odds sometimes are are unfortunately in their favor. Mm -hmm. Steve, i got to ask you one more type of insurance fraud that I see. A lot of news articles on and a lot of money being made off this type of fraud is healthcare fraud. You know, billing for services that were never provided and double billing and things like that. Why is it so prevalent? Because there's so much money in it. And uh, that will run the, the gamut from otherwise legitimate providers that will upcode a, a procedure a little bit to make a little bit more or, or throw in a, an extra code or, or two to sometimes medical businesses are set up purely to allegedly treat those that have been involved in, in staged losses or, or insurance fraud. But the, the fact of, the, of it is, is, unfortunately, there is so much of it, there's so much money involved, and it's, so, uh, and, and it's complex that, uh, again, there's a decent chance that you're going to get by with it, and that's what, uh, that's what drives a, a lot of it. Uh, you guys know you've been in economic crime for a long, long time, and you know that if there's enough money in it, people are willing to do whatever it takes to, to try to get that. Got that right. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. Oh, oh, geez. Mike just fell on the floor in his office, and I, I think oh, he's, oh, he's holding his shoulder. He's saying he hurt himself. Here, here we go. Mike, that wasn't, don't do that it. Wasn't me. Don't do it. All right. And just check in. So. That doesn't sound legitimate to me. It, no, it didn't. It didn't. It was a I a did a swoop attempt. and squat. <laughs> so, Steve, thanks for being on. You know, one one last question I would like to ask you is, you know, we know the, the this alarming financial impact when it comes to loss in the insurance industry, but what are some of the secondary effects of insurance fraud on average Americans, businesses, you know, because there's the fraud itself, but then what happens because of that fraud? It really can affect uh, individuals and businesses. I mentioned earlier that the, the average cost that everybody pays because of uh, insurance fraud, that, that's a substantial amount out of people's personal finances. And, and with businesses, especially when you're in tough economic times, there are businesses that operate under just a very slight profit margin to stay uh, in business. And a, a particular you know, type of loss or an alleged loss could ruin their reputation or the financial cost of fighting that you know, could conceivably put them out of business. So there, 
there's a lot of risk to it, and and that's what yeah the the public perception sometimes is that insurance companies are just made of of money and and that nobody gets hurt by this. But the fact is, a lot of people get hurt by it, and, and it, uh, it it can have a devastating effect. Steve, a lot of great information today. We really appreciate it. You know, I just want to go back when you were talking about the slip and uh, fall at home because Mark had that last weekend. Uh, but it was two in the morning. He was coming home from a bar, and he had a slip it's and fall. But I, I don't, I don't, I don't think he can make a claim on that. Negative. First of all, I can't even stay up till two o'clock in the morning anymore. I'm usually in bed by ten. So uh, maybe in my younger days, I had some slip and falls, but uh, it was uh, a swoop thing- and dupe. Yeah, the only thing I looked to is uh, to fall in bed and go to sleep. So, but. Um- but uh, Steve, uh, thank you for coming on the show. Like I said, I, I have to be honest, you know, this was, you know, I had done some insurance fraud cases in law enforcement, but wasn't uh, kind of the main focus. And I actually learned a ton of information today. So I appreciate you coming on and educating Mike and I and our audience. And we'd love to have you back and uh, see if we could talk some more insurance fraud. It was really a, a pleasure. And I, I get a lot out of uh my membership with the IAFCI and appreciate the organization. So this was a good opportunity for us to talk about a subject, as you mentioned, uh, doesn't make the the headlines often enough. Yeah. Yeah, Steve, we have a lot of uh, members of our organization that are young kids, students uh, in college. If there's anything we could put on our show notes about getting into the investigative field of insurance fraud, that would be great because we have a lot of a lot of young kids going to college that when they get out, they major in law enforcement, but they have an interest just becoming a financial crime investigator like an analyst. So if there's something out there, we love to put it out to our members. Absolutely. And I would encourage them to, especially those that are, if they have a criminal justice or, or a financial or a cyber background, to consider insurance work. Uh, when I first started, almost all SIU investigators came out of law enforcement. And that's not the case anymore. It, we've got a real healthy mix of law enforcement, ones that have started out as claim adjusters and others that were in medical, in the medical field, healthcare, and different things like that. And all companies are looking for people with a, a cyber or, or a tech background. So if uh, students are interested, you know, I encourage them to look for opportunities with insurance companies to reach out to someone uh, in the industry and talk to them about it and try to get uh, you know, some guidance on, on how to get their foot in the door at a, at a carrier, and uh, maybe build a good career. I've certainly enjoyed mine. All right, before we hang up on you, Steve, I, you know what? I'm going to go first, okay? And then Mark will go, and then you could decide, all right? Nationwide all right. is on your side. <laughs> I, I, I got to call it a tie, think- gentlemen. I, Oh, I love it. I love it. But I did the Peyton Manning hum, you know, so uh, I, I, I love oh, that man, commercial. So, All right. But, uh, hey, Steve, thanks for, you know what? You said, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're fortunate to be a part of the IFCI. I can tell you what, the IFCI is very fortunate to have you as a member and, and your expertise. So thanks for what you do. Be safe out there. And uh, we'll get you back on the podcast. I appreciate it. Steve, again, we want to thank you for coming on to the show. Anything you want us to put into our show notes, we'd be glad to do it. you got a lot of great information out there, so just let us know. We'll get it in the show notes. Thank you very much, and again, it was my pleasure.
and to our audience, you know what? I got to say, you know what? People say fraud is boring or maybe insurance fraud is boring. Well, you haven't met Steve Bodge, I tell you, because I learned a lot today. There's some great information for our, our listeners to avoid becoming a victim and then what to do if you are a victim. So, Steve, we wish you the best. So, Mike, where can our uh, fans find us when it comes to listening to our podcast? Mark, I'm glad you asked. Our listeners go to Spotify. Google, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, anywhere where you listen to podcasts, you could find us. IFCI presents The Protectors. And Mark, if somebody wants to be on our podcast, how could they do that? Yeah, listen, we're always looking for topics, subject matter experts. If somebody would like to come on, share an experience, or maybe somebody that was even victimized, you can reach out to us at IAFCI protectors podcast at gmail.com we check it frequently so if you want a topic to be spoken about you have a story to share you're a subject matter expert we'd love to have you on the show and mike you know what we got to thank the most important people of all and that is our audience they've been with us from the beginning and uh, we thank you for tuning in and we look forward to uh, continuing the podcast and educating the public All right, Mike, it's time to wrap it up. So I'm going to be signing out. I'm Mark Solomon from Connecticut. And this is Mike Carroll from Chicago. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Remember, as you join the fight to protect our citizens, you're not alone. With more than 6,500 members from around the world, the men and women of the IAFCI are standing together with you. To learn more or to join the IAFCI, please visit our website at www.iafci.org. The Protectors Podcast is produced by Modified Media and is available for free wherever you listen to podcasts. The hosts and guest opinions are their own and do not reflect those of management, employers, or sponsors. Listeners are encouraged to contact law enforcement if they suspect being a victim of a crime.